In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Acts, chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Acts, chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Good morning. We are still on the series of our core values in our local church, and we will be covering today leadership and the church community. And if you want, you're asking what are the core values, just look at the back page of your bulletin. We have printed it there. So the title for today is Church Leadership based on Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. The early church encountered a minor problem leading to more significant issues if not addressed. Most likely the rapid growth of the church caused the neglect. However, it is also possible that there were prejudicial undertones. The apostles addressed the issue by identifying the problem, revisiting their priorities, and involving the church community in creating the solution. Now, every church that experiences growth will encounter problems. Thus, every community must have cooperation and good leadership. That is why if you are looking for a church community that has no problems, you will find it difficult. And if you find one, my advice, if you find a perfect local church community, my advice is do not join it. Because once you join, it will no longer be perfect. In short, it doesn't exist. Even the early church had problems, and these were the apostles themselves leading. That's why we give the advice to have a biblical perspective of wisdom and understanding when there are issues. When there are issues, it may be solved. Now, 
there are minor issues that can become major, and this is one of them, a minor that could become a major issue. And there are minor issues who will remain, that will remain minor because it's such a minor issue. But it must be addressed. So three things I'd like to share to you is identifying the problem, establishing or revisiting the priorities, and creating solutions. These are the things that they did. Point number one, the problem. The early church experienced some growing pains. The Hellenistic Jews complained about the neglect of food distribution to their widows. The apostles were in charge with probably the help of Hebraic volunteers or Aramaic-speaking volunteers. Let's read verse 1. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now, the Hellenistic Jews, who are they? When the Bible speaks about Hellenists, these are not people who love hell. Hellenist or Hellenistic means that these are Jewish people who spoke Greek because during that time, Greek seemed to be the international language and it's a culture that's influencing other cultures. Very much like how America with their media and of course Great Britain because of their English, they conquered many worlds before, many countries before. And because of media today, that seems to be the spoken language or accepted international language. So these were, Hellenists were influenced by Greek culture. Remember, Rome conquered Greece, but Greece or Greek culture conquered Rome. And since Rome adopted Greek culture, even the gods, their false gods, they just changed the name. Like from Zeus, it became Jupiter. Now, these Hellenistic Jews spoke Greek, and somehow, perhaps, the way they dress up and their manners were also Greek. And their education was also influenced. Most of these Hellenistic Jews would probably be the descendants of those who established their homes outside Jerusalem because of the diaspora. Now, the diaspora means the spreading out began under Babylon. If you would recall in the Old Testament, Babylon became a superpower and they conquered Jerusalem and prophetically, it was said that Babylon would discipline Israel or Judah because of their many sins. And that was prophetic. And it happened. Now they spread out. They were taken to Babylon. And uh, if you remember even the story of Daniel where Babylon gathered 
the best and the brightest all around the world to live there and uh, to establish systems of learning. So many even say that hydroponics started in Babylon, the Hanging Gardens. Many believe the abacus, which could be used like a powerful calculator if you know how it works. It was a simple system, but they said it was developed there. So probably because of the strategy of Nebuchadnezzar to invite the best and the brightest. In these days, the first world countries are trying to do that. They're trying to lure the best and the brightest to migrate. Now, these scattered Jews remained, even though during the Persian Empire, Persia conquered Babylon, Persia had a different perspective on, on how to deal with the other countries. They're more like, continue your culture. So he said, you may go back. So many of the Jews went back to Jerusalem. There was a time when they followed Ezra, and there was a time when they followed Nehemiah going back. Now, not all of them went back. Many of them stayed. And they were also advised by the prophets, and it was from God himself, remain, prosper, stay, prosper where you are. What happened was, because they stayed there, they built their synagogues. And if you remember, Paul's missionary strategy was to visit the synagogues first, to preach the gospel there first. So it spread out in, in, in different, they're spread out, but they have adopted the culture of where they lived without compromising, trying not to compromise the law. That's why in the synagogue, they regularly read the law of Moses. Although they could not worship in Jerusalem because they were very far, what they did was did pilgrimage, visiting sometimes once a year or for so many times as they could. Of course, during the Rome the Roman Empire, Greek culture and language influenced many peoples. Now, there were these Hellenistic Jews who became Christians. They became believers. But the apostles grew, grew up in, in their homeland. And uh, those who believed, many who believed were Hebrews. So it says the Hebrews and the Hellenists. Well, all of them technically are supposed to be Hebrews. But the Hebrews grew up in the land and prided themselves on being uncontaminated by foreign influence. And every culture around the world has a trying to push back or balance out foreign influence. That's why I remember when I was a kid, there are songs like, Ako'y isang Pinoy sa puso't diwa. If you remember, those songs are promoting do not give up our own language. And um, uh, there's always a pushback, not only here, but around the world. And usually they come from older people who do not want to speak the new language. They don't want to learn. They think it's evil for their culture. Now, the Hebrews worshipped in the temple, and they prided themselves of speaking the language of their fathers. 
So the issue could be in this distribution of food could be yes because of the growing church, but then when the neglect happened, somehow there is a prejudicial undertone. We cannot really say racism because they belong to the same race, but some would pride themselves as purists. But there was prejudicial undertones. And sometimes we do that, especially when we are insecure. Isn't that correct? We say nasty things to the one who is pretty if we feel we're not pretty. We say negative things to those who achieved many because we could not contribute as well. And there could be jealousy, we don't know, but the, there is a possibility. Or prejudice is just something because you're different from me, therefore I don't like you very much. It may be unconscious because we can't talk very well. And in our history, we also have that in the Philippines, although the Bicolanos are more welcoming. I mean, you speak Tagalog, we welcome you. That's why in Naga, Tagalog is well-spoken. But if you go in some places, some provinces, even Tagalog is not well-spoken. Like when I meet my Cebuano friends, we speak in English. Because I know very little Cebuano, and they're not very comfortable speaking Tagalog, so we speak in English. Isn't that amazing? And in other cultures too. But here there are those who pride themselves. So there was a problem. Now, if you think they did the feeding program for their widows, remember, if you are a widow, not a widower, how come they don't have distribution of food to the widower? What's a widower? Yung lalaking nabalo. Why not? Because they could work, find work easily during that time. And a woman that time finds it harder to make a living. So if you lose your husband, it's very hard to survive. And there was no DSWD or Department of Social Welfare. Now our taxes, part of our taxes goes to DSWD. That's why if somebody who's poor come to you, you help them coordinate with these departments and with your barangay, because part of our taxes already go there. But the church, I'd like to say, started this welfare when the government did not. The government just followed later on, or governments. So many claim that the church throughout history, even the hospital, was influenced heavily by the Christian movement. So there was a problem during that time. So the apostles heard the problems, the problem, I mean, somebody complained, the Hellenistic widows are being neglected. So what did they do? Well, I'd like to state the number two point today, which be, would be priorities. They established the priorities of the church and themselves as Christ commanded. And uh, the apostles recognized the problem. However, they solved the problem by first identifying their priorities. And then the apostles communicated their priorities, which is what? Preaching and teaching the word. We'll, we'll read verses 2 and verses 4. And the twelve summoned the, the full number of the disciples. Take note. The Christians then were called disciples. It means you have to be a disciple. 
Nowadays, there's a teaching, very popular teaching, that you can be a Christian without being a disciple. That is an error. And I don't find that supported in Scripture. And if there ever there is a support, it's very weak. The disciples, and what is a disciple? You can look for the dictionary meaning that says learner, but we have to use the contextual meaning, how Jesus used the word disciples, disciple, which means a follower of his. A follower means who learn and does what he commands. He's an adherent of the teaching and a doer of the teaching and a promoter of the teaching, not just a learner. Nowadays, if you say we have a discipleship program, it means a classroom. Some interpret or practice it that way, but it should mean for us these are followers of Christ. And remember what Jesus said, if you do not deny yourself, you cannot be my disciple. You cannot. Uh, denying self is another word for repentance, by the way. And what did they say to the disciples? They gathered the disciples. Verse 2, they says, It is not right that we should give up, give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. So it is not right for, I can imagine maybe it was Peter, James, and John, or one of them saying, it's not right. We were shaped, taught, so that we can preach. We were commissioned to preach. Now, we have been serving tables, but it's not good that we lose this priority and do this. Yes, it's good to help. And they remember Jesus feeding the 5,000, but he only did it twice. He didn't do it all the time. He never had a consistent feeding program. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that's not the priority, even though it's good. There are many good things that can be non-priority, but good things. Let me give you an example, a security guard who is very helpful to the neighbors. What is the priority of the security guard? It's to secure the property of the one who hired him. That's the priority of the security guard, is to stand watch. But he's very helpful. He saw his neighbor coming and he have bags. He would go and, and help with the bags and bring it inside uh, their houses. And another neighbor is very helpful because he felt so bored sitting down and just keeping watch. But that was his priority. So while helping somebody else... When he came back, the door was opened and something was stolen. It is not good to give up your priority to do something good. Scripturally, we were given priorities. And we have to follow these priorities. You can't just reason out, that's not the point. The point is, what's the priority? So they said, we cannot give up preaching to do that. We cannot give a preaching to do that. Now, do they support it? Of course they do. They want it to happen. So they found a solution. But then let's look at verse 4. And they said, But we, the apostles, will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Two things, prayer and the ministry of the word. 
And ministers should prioritize prayer and the ministry of the word. Again, the feeding program was a good thing because of the absence of social welfare. Yet the apostles made it clear that they should devote, take note, devote, continuously do this. What? Prayer and ministry of the word and not serve tables. That's the priority. Now, I don't understand some people who say, well, Christians should be action-oriented. And yet, I believe, yes, we should. And what's the primary action? What Jesus said, proclaim the gospel. Be witnesses of his suffering, death, and resurrection, and proclaim repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And Matthew 28's version is, go make disciples. That's the action, the main action. But there are smaller actions. Now, if the smaller sub-actions, which we can use to proclaim, like helping others, which is very important and very Christ-like, but it is still a subdomain of what being a Christian is. The problem, if you make the minor the major, you are already lost, like the security guard. who loved to help others, but lost the priority. Friends, brothers, and sisters, yes, we should provide for our family, but let us not neglect the commission that was given to us. We might become busy, yet not forget that what? We must proclaim the gospel. We must make disciples. We must teach each others what we know of the word of God. Yet, finding ways to be helpful Priorities. So if somebody says to me, why do you guys just love to sit and talk? No, we also swim, we bike, we do other things. We sing. And yes, some, as initiated by the small groups, have these social enterprise programs. But how come the central, and I do not like the central thrust of the church, be this? It should be preaching the gospel, and prayer. But we are supportive, like one of my small groups, one of the members there, they want to have a social enterprise approach in, in Camarines Norte. And because they want it, I want to support it. But my priority is preaching and ministry of the word. I help it, but I'm going there to preach. And I tell him, I'll give you instructions how to help them because I studied that as well, the social enterprise approach to improving the economic conditions of others. The priority is what? The preaching and prayer. And brothers, let us remember that. That is our priority. Now let's go to the solution of, of the problem. Now, I'd like to say in practice, when there is a problem, do not think of the solution before you establish or remind yourself of the priority. Because you might end up solving many things, but lose your priority. And that includes a pastor who helps every family in the church, but has no time for his own family. Because he helped many but he missed out a priority, and that is even a requirement in eldership. 
It's a requirement in leadership in church that you must manage your own household well. Thus, we must be reminded of what the priorities are. Now, let's go to the solution. The apostles involved the whole church in solving the problem. Why did they involve the whole church? Because maybe quite a number of them were affected. Now, if it's just an isolated issue, that can be addressed. But sometimes, if it will affect the whole church, it is good to consult. Now, first, the apostles presented the proposal to pick men, and there's a qualification. You see, the solution were delegate the work. But not just delegate, let's choose properly. It says here, of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom. So men of good repute, full of the spirit, and full of wisdom. Three things. And you could also look at Exodus 18, how Moses, Jethro advised Moses how they made a criteria of choosing. Then the church affirmed the proposal and they picked seven men. Let's read verse 3. Five, six, and seven. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute. They have a good reputation. Well, that's very important that people respect. Now, full of the spirit and of wisdom. Now, the word wisdom, if I, I use a Filipino word, it's karunungan. Pununang karunungan. And, uh, well... If you do it, break it down some more. Yung marunong. Okay. Yung marunong. May karunungan. So, full of wisdom. And uh, whom we will appoint to this duty. So that's what they propose to the congregation. And I'm sure they're borrowing. I, they were influenced by Exodus 18 when Moses chose... Uh, when Moses chose... That when he delegated, because if you remember, Moses was judging every issue in Israel, and Jethro said, that's not good for you, and it's not good for the people. You have to choose men to delegate the work, and he did. But they was, there was a criteria. So they picked seven men. Now, let's read verse 5. What they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and uh, Parmenas, and Nicolaus, and uh, a proselyte of Antioch, meaning this, he was the only Gentile that was chosen. Most were probably Hellenistic Jews. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. Take note, those who chose were the congregation. The apostles gave the criteria, you must choose this criteria. And the congregation chose, and that was, and they laid hands, meaning commissioning them and giving them the authority publicly as they laid hands. It's similar to what the Old Testament priests did, laying in off hands for others, and even what the prophets did to the kings. And what was the result? The result after they delegated the work and they focused on prayer and ministry of the word, the result was, and the word of God continued to increase 
And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests, when I say priests, their priests in their context were Judaizers or, or, or those involved in Judaism who became obedient to the faith. Now, let's review. With the church help, with the help of the church, the apostles delegated serving the widows to qualified men. It is important to note that the seven had Greek names. What does that mean? Hellenistic influence. So the seven were probably all Hellenistic, except, of course, Nicholas, who was a proselyte, meaning he was a Gentile, who, be, who, who believed in Jesus Christ. Well, when you say a proselyte, first you believe in, you became a uh, Jew, Okay, you became a Jew, that's when they say the proselyte, they became a Jew. So he was in a sense Jewish, but his, his bloodline was Gentile. So these are all probabilities because we have less information about some of these people. But we, for sure we know that Stephen and Philip were Hellenistic. Now, what does that mean? Are you following with your mind? What does that mean? It means proper representation, part of the solution, the solution that the church thought. Because they were neglected, why don't we put some of the seven men or all of them, some or almost all of them, to be these seven men? And some said that these became the deacons. Well, it didn't specifically say they were called deacons, but some believe traditionally that those who support the leaders so that the leaders can focus on the more important things. And we have deacons here, and we are blessed with them because, for example, as a pastor, I stay away from the money. When it is counted, <laughs> when it is signed, when it is released, I stay away from it because that can be a source of temptation or a source of accusation. So I keep my distance. So everything related to money, it goes with the admin and the board. And the pastors are submit to the policies that the board make. We can propose. Pastors can propose, but we don't make approvals. So if you need help, don't think I have control of this church. Nobody does. It's a group of elders which you have confirmed through our annual gathering of disciples. You have confirmed to be our elders. And I'd like to say every member has the right to ask the financial statements because a member is a giver. Well, you're expected to be a giver and every person who gives here and who's a member has the right to give suggestions or comments. And please don't think pastors have control of the money here so you ask their help all the time. That is a mistake. Now, we are helpless without the rest of the leadership. We voluntarily did that as we submitted, as we follow the constitution of this church. Now, as a result, what was the result of the solution? Well, more became disciples. And that's what we want to happen. And the problem I see sometimes with some local churches, and when the pastor does everything, they don't grow beyond a certain point. Some never grow beyond 25. Some never grow beyond 50. Because the pastor does everything except focus on the more important things, which is to keep preaching and to keep praying 
and to keep meeting people so that they can share, or encouraging others so that others can share with them, that's being neglected. Let's think of the application. Number one, as a church, we have to expect problems. The church community must identify problems that may cause division because of neglect. It's possible that there would be neglect in this church when we grow. And uh, for the longest time, this church started with 15 people. Before pandemic, we were the highest number in a Sunday attendance. Attendance was 434. So from 15 to 434, that is some growth in a context where we are so so religious, so idolatrous. We live in a very idolatrous place, and some would say it's difficult. Other churches would say it's difficult. And we're not saying it's easy. We're just saying it's all by grace. But as we grow, we have to expect problems. Now, one of our strategies is a small group strategy so that we avoid neglect, small groups. We call it growth group. That's why we invite everybody. If you want to be a member of this church, you must join a growth group. And if you don't have a growth group, keep knocking on our doors till we give you a growth group because we have to find a match for you. But you have to have a growth group. And the leader of the growth group acts like the seven men. So it's also, as we grow, if you remember, they also met in small houses in in Acts chapter 2, and that's something we want to do and we must do, is to be part of a growth group. The good thing right now, a small group can be online because our internet connections at home, we had no choice but to improve them. Some of us already have good internet connections because it's related to our work, but most of us do not have it because we didn't see the practicality. But because of the pandemic, it became practical that we must have a good internet connection. But yes, we are just not as happy because we paid and then the internet connection is not very consistent. We should continue to pray for these providers or we should be led to the right providers. Now, but if the problem, so with the small groups, we have the growth group leaders. I'm hoping that because we pastors cannot pastor 400 directly. But what we can do is rely on the small group leaders, and all the small group leaders are all connected to me. Well, not directly. I could be discipling somebody who is discipling another group, and uh, one of those group members are also discipling another group, and that is our, our way of doing it to avoid neglect. But I'm not comfortable, that's the point. You have to learn that, because as a community, that's a thing that we have to learn, is to how to connect to each other, no matter what our personalities is. And that's also how we learn to love one another, because how can you say love one another when, when the Lord says, love one another, he was washing the feet, it means you serve one another. The expression of love in that context is you serve one another. How can you serve one another if you're not even connected to one another? So that's why we invite you. If you're invited to a small group, just ask, who's your, the one discipling you? And you should trace it all back to me. And who, who do I submit to? Of course, the Board of Elders. 
I submit to the Board of Elders. I share to them what I do in life, my complications in life. I share things I have to enter. I have to be transparent, including any business I want to enter. I voluntarily become transparent to them so that they can assess if it's good for the church or not. And that's the thing we also do with the one discipling us, is to open our lives, to allow them to have a constructive comment on us. But you know, Filipinos and Asians are sometimes so sensitive, we don't want anybody, we don't want to open, we don't want to consult, which makes us fools. Is that biblical? Yes, it's in Proverbs. The one who hates correction is a fool, and it is wise to get counsel, and the opposite of that is foolish. The opposite of wise is foolish, and if you don't like counsel, especially godly and biblical counsel, but people are uncomfortable with that. That's why they don't want the growth group. But some are just feel that they're too busy. And that's a dangerous thing to put in the mind. If you don't prioritize. Why your priority is your studies? No, your priority is God. But are your studies important? Very, very, very important, young man. But who's your priority? It is God. It is serving God. How do you serve God? By serving others. How do you serve others? First, you serve the community. And that's how the disciples did it. They didn't say, I'll just serve others outside the community, and I won't serve the community because I'm serving him anyway outside. No, you can serve outside, but it's in their practice they serve within because this is called the body of Christ. How do you serve Christ? You serve the body of Christ. But if the problem is false teaching, you know, when there's a problem, the growth group leader tries to handle the problem with the group, with a small group. They solve the issue if somebody has a need. If they can't solve the issue because the issue is more than they can handle, they go higher to the one who's discipling the growth group leader here or the small group leader, they help in. So now two groups are helping one group. If it's really a big problem, but if it's still terrible, they go up to us. And somehow it has worked for us because only the worst come to me and they're very little, which means I can still focus in preaching, teaching God's word and prayer. Now, communicate priorities, and that's what I'm doing today, telling you our priorities. Our priorities are the same as the apostles' prayer and teaching the word. We must proclaim the gospel to the lost and teach those who believe, and in all things we should pray. The pastors and elders should spearhead the priorities. Uh, I'm hoping that January, because I wanted to restore our dawn prayer, we do it twice a month, first and third Saturday at 6 a.m. here. 6 a.m., yeah, 6 a.m. So, uh, we postponed it because of the pandemic and people have been asking when will we restore it because we got used to praying and then after prayer we have a wonderful fellowship with coffee. Uh, I said let's wait because there's this Omicron thing that's happening. I'm waiting and see. I'm more conservative for the health of our members. But let's see if probably January we can gather again together. Uh, but we cannot fill the room. We have to, I, I believe in abiding with the rules because the rules do not allow, commit, make us commit sin anyway, but we can still do the strategy 
through the, or the promotion of the gospel through the small groups. So we communicate the priorities, which is this. With the help of the church community, or you as well, if you are already a member, we should not neglect other problems that are social and environmental. So social and environmental, that's why every now and then I have seminars here on, how, on livelihood. We have seminars here on, on other stuff that might be helpful to our, our economy or, or our personal economics, but also environmental. However, even if we delve ourselves here, let us keep in mind the spiritual priorities, which is what prayer and ministry of the word. Now, in creating solutions, number three, as a, as a church, we must create solutions. One solution to most problems in the church is qualified men. Of course, women as well, but men would be the priority. Even women are clamoring for better men, as God wants better men. So, by qualified, we refer to the text. What does the text say? Uh, which says, good reputation. So if you want to be used by God, please relate well with the other members and the rest of society. Ask about your reputation. Now, there are times I would understand you'd be accused of something that you did not commit, and then you can prove it. You, you have a way to justify yourself, and sure, I, we, are, we hate to judge, but somehow, if there's a consistency of bad reputation here, there, and everywhere, uh, then, then a question arises. Um, I think you have to be more patient. I think you have to speak the proper words when you're in a meeting. I think you should avoid using others simply to promote your agenda, but be also to be sensitive to the other's goals and needs as well as you promote your own. That's why some might say, I'm talented, I can speak, I can do this, how come I'm not one of the leadership? Well, good reputation in scriptural context is humility and service. If we don't see you serving, serving what? In the smallest things. You help out in the chairs, you help out in the coffee, you become a driver, you, you clean up something. I remember in the first church we planted, my wife was there. Well, she wasn't my wife yet. She was a cute little student then. And... Uh, uh, when we had that, everybody had to serve. Everybody had to serve. Everybody had to go through, of course, including me, had to clean the CRs when we have a camp. They have to be involved in the groceries. No matter what, we don't care who your background is. We don't care who your daddy is. You want to serve the Lord, you serve. That's why here we really don't care. If you have a lot of money, that's, that's fantastic. Give, but it's not automatic inclusion in eldership. Unlike we have observed in some churches, if they see you're a professional, because many of them are not professionals, suddenly you become put into leadership, but you're a young Christian, you don't know the word, and your emotions are not yet mature, so it's a disaster for some churches. Now for us, for, the, for others who want to support the growth of the church, one way is to learn what we're teaching you, another is simply to allow us to focus on the priorities by helping us. And we appreciate the help of, of, of the ushers. Can you imagine if I, I have to welcome you? And then I have to sing and I have to preach and I have to welcome you out. 
Uh, and I have to prepare the chairs once upon a time. Those are the things we did when we pioneered churches. We were involved in everything. But that's also not helpful. The more, vo more volunteers we have, do you know that preparing a sermon must be done with the fear of the Lord? We cannot just in, indiscriminately choose verses and throw at you without studying each verse we quote. And when we say study, not the surface, the meaning of the author. Once you extract something there, you go back to the background. And we also have limited resources, but thank God for the internet. We don't also believe everything in the internet. We have to assess. It takes some work. So in solutions, we need better men. If you recall, some of you would recall many years ago, whenever I meet a wife here whose the husband is not here, I said, let's begin praying. Then introduce me. I'll find a way to share the gospel. Just introduce me or introduce some of us to him. We'll find. But you have to be joining the effort. It's not enough that you have a wish. You wish that we connect. I like the wish, but we have to plan it together. What's the simple plan? There's no plan of manipulation. You just expose us together. Find the least offensive way to connect us. And we will try to work on that. Why? Because it's still proclaiming the word. It's making disciples. It's praying. That's what we have to keep doing. And the priority, of course, is men and young men. We're not neglecting the sisters, by the way. You have a wonderful teacher, and I make sure your teacher teaches you properly. Of course, I'm referring to my wife. She reports to me. We discuss what the lessons are. Of course, many years ago, I, she, it's a good thing that she volunteered, after I asked her to, to seriously study the scripture book by book for seven years. And then we continue to study together. That is necessary because I don't want a women's ministry that just do earthly women stuff. That's still in gossip and slander and whatever. But if ever you're going to gossip, you gossip the gospel. You gossip, you tell people what Jesus did for others. That's what you do. That's what we do. We're not neglecting the sisters. I'm just saying if we have a campaign to reach sisters, they respond more positively to the gospel compared to men. Men are hard-headed animals. We know that from everybody who has a brother understands that they don't easily follow. We don't easily follow. It takes time. We're stubborn with what we want to do. It takes time before we adjust. Yes, sometimes we do foolish things because of our ego. And we have more problems that are related to men. I'm not saying women are not problems. They be can become a bigger problem as well. Please don't feel too good about yourselves, that you're better than us. In some areas, you are, and we respect those areas. We should, gentlemen, respect the areas where our wives are better at us and be humble enough there, but still take the leadership in the final decisions because you can only blame yourself. You cannot blame her. You can consult her, but you make the decisions. So the blame is on you alone. And wife, please, don't insist. Allow him the space to decide. And whether he decides right or wrong, be there beside him to catch him if he's wrong.
and to praise him if he is right, you'll have a better marriage. And you're going to say, we made a mistake, not you made a mistake which is terrible for marriage. Again, this is not marriage. I'm sorry because I performed a wedding yesterday. Mr. and Mrs. Naval is here. Please raise your hands. Palakpakan po natin. They got married yesterday. And we have a wedding later. Oh my, there's... Weddings are good during the pandemic because you don't have to invite many people. Uh... <laughs> if you need to get married, you ask our help here. Uh, but of course, we hope to give you some counseling and what biblical knowledge first. And please don't be offended because if you go through counseling with me before marriage, I will question you. Are you sure that this person is for you? Have you seen the negatives? And can you embrace the negatives? Because others don't. And they get married and they say, what in the world did I enter in? I heard one pastor's wife, evangelist's wife prayed, Lord, forgive me for marrying him. She asked forgiveness. And she even made a promise. I promise never to do it again. Uh, well, you can't. <laughs> it's done. Therefore, we, going back, with good men and women, we must delegate the work of the ministry. We must all help one another. Now, if suddenly you, you're a person full of suggestions, and there are people like that. I like suggestions, but in the context of priorities. So now let me teach you how to suggest. You remember the priority of the preaching of the word and prayer. Whatever you will suggest must connect and help that first. If ever you suggest something that's not, that's not major, don't take it personally when I say, well, it sounds good, it's difficult to do, and I'm going to say, if you have the time, I'll support you. We're not a restaurant, we're a community. We help build the community. A restaurant is you order. Where's my order? It has to be 20 minutes or earlier. And yes, you can expect that because you're paying. This is not a restaurant. Understood? If you see there's something wrong with the CR, this is broken, you can call our attention, but then you can volunteer. I'm going to buy the lock. I'm going to buy the, the faucet. Just, just do it. Just consult us. Is this design okay? Just, just do it. Now, don't you, come, don't you dare come to me about the faucet. You go to the admin. You don't talk to me about it. Because if you do, I'll preach the gospel to you again and again. <laughs> I'd like to quote what E.M. Bounds said. Men are looking for better methods, but God is looking for better men. So, gentlemen, ladies, let us pray for the young men and the older men to say, Lord, shape me. I want to be a person, godly, of good reputation to my fellow believers. And I want to be full of the Spirit, and I want wisdom. May, they, may all of us desire it. May all of, us, all of us feel that we need it, because we have to first admit that we lack it. But if you feel you know it and you have it, obviously you cannot be chosen to help us lead. Now, if we have that, perhaps the number of disciples in Biko, as scripture said, would greatly increase. God is good. Now, I'd like to share to you a piece of poetry called Priorities of Church Leaders. 
Sometimes growth can bring discomfort. Issues will arise of all sorts. What then may the church leaders do when an issue is being brewed? What else but to identify, revisit, and prioritize? Design and create solutions, implement good execution. Depending on the scale of it, the solution must be a fit. Involve all, if necessary, awaken the sedentary. Yet amid all pressing issues, let us learn a thing from these Jews, from the apostles and the church. They, have, they seem to have done some soul search. The priorities must remain to pray and to preach in his name. Thus, we need more leaders to rise with godly character like Christ, full of the spirit and wisdom, faithful servants to the kingdom, should be people of good repute who will help settle all dispute. Let us all rise and let us pray. Lord, thank you for this morning and thank you for reminding us one of our core values, two of our core values, which is to develop leaders, which is part of it is delegating. Delegating jobs that may not look apostolic or look pastoral, but still are necessary and important that so that some of us who are more responsible in leadership are called to preach and to lead prayer. Let your will be done. We pray as well as a church community when we have issues, we will gather together and with a biblical perspective as you have allowed us to do in the past when we have issues of decision problems we could gather and and discuss and we can think of solutions together that we may grow and protect the priorities again which is prayer and the ministry of the word allow us as well to mature that our focus would be prayer and ministry of the word although not neglecting the other things in life Yet teach us, teach us to put first things first, the kingdom of God first, and your righteousness. First things first, Holy Spirit, work in us and give us wisdom, how we can excel in our work, our business, and even studies, yet serve you, yet put you first. Give us the wisdom, Lord, and we trust that you will give it to us. Bless your people amid these problems we have in the nation, the economy, the pandemic, and other issues. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Good morning. <laughs>